0: Welcome to the Lonnie Swain Show podcast, a top rated weekly podcast providing support for the struggles, celebrating the successes and sharing the personal and professional development stories of women of color. It's inspiring and insightful conversations with sheroes who want to share their experiences to help other women's outcomes. Hosted by me, media veteran and content creator, Lonnie Swain. The purpose of this show is to remind you that everyone has to go through something to get somewhere. Thank you so much for listening. I love and appreciate your feedback, so don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Now let's get into the show. All right, on today's episode, we're talking about a topic near and dear to my heart, which is... Separating your identity from your career, joining me in this conversation is Erica Williams Simon, a social critic, author, host, and CEO of Sage House Media, a content and experience company that surfaces wisdom about who we are and how we want to live. Most recently, the former Washington Politico and lifelong civil and human rights activist, was head of the Creators Lab at Snapchat, a first-of-its-kind program that developed inspirational programming for a global network of young storytellers and creators. The self-described professional question asker, I love that, is an accomplished (laughs) moderator and interviewer. She is host of the popular podcast, The Call with Erica, creator and host of the Rosario Dawson produced digital talk show, The Assembly, and author of the book, You Deserve the Truth. She has been featured on the Today Show, O Magazine, and Washington Post, and is a frequent TV commentator. Welcome to the Lonnie Swain Show podcast, Erica. Lonnie, thank you so much for having me. And now the pressure is on. Since you are the professional question asker, I have to really (laughs) perform and make sure I ask all the right questions in this conversation. <laughs> you are fantastic. You're gonna be great. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So I'll give a little backstory. Um I learned about Erica from blog Her Biz. She was the opening speaker and gave this very powerful opening I don't wanna call it a speech, but um she she spoke. Yeah, a a very powerful opening talk about the ideas of work versus a job and also kind of separating your identity from your career and Erica didn't know this, but that was something that I was currently struggling with or still am struggling with, like separating identity from career. So that is what drew me to you and why I really wanted to have you on the show. So number one, thank you for that talk. It was profound and one of my girlfriends who attended with me, she thoroughly enjoyed it as well and that's something that she's been going through and something I feel like a lot of people that I know are kind of going through just reshifting refocusing if you're into astrology some people say 2019 has kind of been about that for a lot of people do you find that that's a topic that a lot of people you know are kind of dealing with right now just kind of redefining themselves
1: yeah absolutely most of the things that I speak about usually have that quality to them because I, I like to name the thing that we don't want to name but that a lot of us are feeling yeah. uh, and so rarely do I talk about something that I think it, you know entirely unique to me I mean of course we'll get into my background and my story and we all have different stories and experiences but so much of what connects us is these experiences that we don't know how to talk about and we yeah. think maybe we're the only one feeling it or going through it yeah. um, so yeah. I like to come places and say no. Nope, you know, I <laughs> we gotta the talk about it today. I Yeah, we're going to talk about this thing because I know I'm not the only one. Uh, so, yeah, work and career and identity and jobs and all those words that have to do with how we spend our days and we wrap our, our dreams up in them and our identities up in them. Everyone is, is wrestling with what that looks like and how how to be whole in the process of trying to figure that out.
0: Mhm. So let's start from your beginning. What did you think you were gonna be when you grew up? Oh my goodness. Um. <laughs> let's see. When I was really, really little,
1: it was I was gonna be Whitney Houston. Like that was it. <laughs> there were no questions asked about that. Um, I love and it. And along the way, what I realized is I actually didn't ever have specific jobs in mind. I had a vision of a life. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Which I think, I think it's also true for a lot of people. It wasn't that I knew that there was this one thing I was going to do, but I was like, I'm going to be a jet setter and I'm going to be like speaking to people. I'm going to be
0: on TV doing something. I don't know what. Okay. I've never heard that. I've heard people, everybody's like, oh, I thought I was going to be this, but I love that you envision, I don't know specifically what I'm going to be, but this is the life that I want to create. I love that. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that has its um, benefits and its challenges, right? Because it also means
1: that the journey between where you are and this, you know, vague vision of your life mm-hmm. is going to involve a lot of experimentation. Because I, I just, I knew my talents and my skill sets. I didn't know what kind of job would hold those. And I think that's something our generation, uh, you know, has dealt with a lot and that we, you know, we're very tapped into what are we good at doing? What do we enjoy? What makes us feel a certain way? And then we look at the job market and we're like, I don't know where that fits. So I'll right. maybe try this and I'll try this and I'll make my own thing. So that was a part of my um, kind of growth process was not knowing in the beginning what I wanted to do.
0: And so, how did you move through that and start experimenting? Let's see. So, I, it's funny, I started to talk
1: and blog her this way and I, I started my book um, this way. I start most conversations this way because everything that has come uh, in the later part of my life has started from my foundation as being a preacher's kid. And so um, when I was uh, born my parents started our, our church in our basement when I was nine months old. And so church was always a huge part of uh, my life, both from a faith standpoint, but also just the environment that I grew up in was all about having important conversations, you know, trying to change your life, change other people's lives and change the world. It was a very mission driven environment, in some ways mission first, like that was the priority. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I graduated college, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I just assumed because that's what I'd grown up around that whatever job I did had to be mission focused and mission driven. I was raised that way, and also I think probably naturally wired that way. And so, so what did what major in? In school, uh, I majored in African American Studies and Public Policy. Uh, first two years, I was a journalism major, and then I transferred schools. And at the time, I said, "Well, I know how to do the talking thing. I want to learn a subject matter that will, you know, that I might be interested in talking about." Okay. Uh, so th- then I switched to African American Studies and Public Policy. So when I graduated, a professor said, "Hey, I think I, there's a, a job that you'd be great at." I said, "Okay," and I got it. It was uh, the first job I applied for out of school. And it uh, was at this big national civil and human rights organization. And it was a beautiful first job in kind of a a mission-driven world because I was able to see it was a coalition of over 200 national organizations that represented everyone from women to people of color to LGBT folks. If there was any major organization in the country working on social justice issues, they were a member of this coalition. So it was a great vantage point to kind of see what the social impact world looks like. And very quickly, I kind of rose up the ranks in that world. I had a really strong work ethic and I was pretty much the kind of person that whatever job was in front of me, I was going to try to just do it really, really well. And so within a couple of years between that job and then another great job where I ran um, the youth policy arm of a, a major think tank, which was run by Bill Clinton's chief of staff, very quickly, like by 25, I had kind of stumbled upon this career where I was known in in national politics as kind of a spokesperson for millennial causes, millennial issues. I was on television doing commentary, you know, had all these fancy accolades. I went to the White House and it was this really fast paced career that it checked the box of being mission driven. It checked the box of using, you know, most if not all of my skills. And yet I kind of felt this hit this wall where I said, okay, I'm not really actually enjoying this that much. And, you know, I said at the conference when when I spoke and you heard that, that a lot of what our bio is, is just this highlight reel of our resume, but it doesn't actually have a lot of our soul in it. And so I had been building up this really impressive resume for someone who was in their early 20s. And yet I wasn't actually enjoying it. So that was when I started to kind of unravel this whole work thing and figure out, well, who do I want to be? And how do I want to get there? And what is important to me? So it was after I'd already kind of run face forward into this really, really fast paced career of politics.
0: What were you thinking at that point? Were you thinking aside from knowing you didn't enjoy it? Were you thinking like, how could this be? How can I reshape this? Or do I need to hurry up and get out of here? <laughs> or um... Yeah, I was thinking all of the things I was feeling mm-hmm. confused,
1: because this is not a part of the journey people usually tell you about. They tell you how to hustle, how to get ahead, how to get promoted in your job, how to have good workout. They give you all the skill sets to um, quote unquote succeed, but they don't ever really tell you how do you figure out what success looks like for you. And mm-hmm. so I was confused. I was feeling shame because as a woman and particularly a black woman we are never supposed to um quit we are never supposed to you know it, it i felt a lot of shame around this idea of you know are you being ungrateful you have a good job you you know are you being a whiny millennial <laughs> you know what i mean like mm-hmm. there was a lot of soul searching to figure that out um but more than all of that there was a determination to live the life that I wanted to live that kind of um, ruled out a lot of the fear that was there. A lot of the shame that was there, a lot of the confusion was there. I just kind of said, I'm, I'm going to figure this out. And this is actually the story that opens my book. You deserve the truth was me having this mic drop moment. Um, I always jokingly say, like, I am not the main character from Eat, Pray, Love. I didn't have a bunch of money to go travel the world, meet pasta and have sex with men in Bali. Like, that's not my, <laughs> that was not going to be my story. <laughs> right. Um, you know, I'm not a white man like in Jerry Maguire. And yet I still felt like I deserved to have a my moment. I, I can figure out how to do this and make this um, work for me. And I always tell people that, especially women of color, that our stories may not look like everyone else's but we have just as much of a right um to press a reset button if we want Mm
0: -hmm. um we just have
1: to figure out how to do it in a way that works for us so i did i quit my job Mm -hmm. rather abruptly and then went on a journey to figure it out to try things to kind of do a lot of soul searching i read you know all the self-help books a person of faith so i prayed a lot i consulted and in the process, really started unpacking what are the stories that got me to this point in my life and got so many of my friends to that same point in our lives. Where had we learned what it meant to have a career and an identity and work life and where did those influences come from? And because I'm a firm believer as a professional question asker that in order to figure out where you want to go, you got to understand how you got there. And so that was when I became obsessed with understanding the stories that actually shaped our lives and our decision making.
0: Just in that same conversation, something else and talking about the shame or the guilt or feeling ungrateful, was there a moment where you thought like, Is this really my calling? Because when people seemingly do well or excel in a career, and at least I know for me, it feels like, okay, well, maybe this is my gifting, you know, say in Uh politics, and feeling like Uh if this is something that I do well in, how am I not supposed to do that? You know, not to say that we have yeah. to have this one gift, but it's like, you know, oh, but I've achieved such outward success in this. So d- is mm-hmm. that the, the signifier that this is what I'm supposed to do? And how do you I'd- rationalize that with yourself, I guess?
1: Yeah. I do not believe that it is a signifier. So there's a difference between a gifting and a calling, right? So the gifting has a lot to do, again, with your talent, your abilities, your skills. A calling is where are you um, uh, at your highest and best use of those skills and and giftings? And and I always like to say, um, my father used to say it, but I know he's not the creator of this. I've heard it many times before, but that God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the call. So your gifting is not necessarily indicative of where you're supposed to be or what your life purpose is. It is just a factor. It is something that it is important for you to know. You should recognize, you should figure out what uh, where you can thrive and what you can do well. Uh, but it is not the end of the, the equation to figure out where you're supposed to go. And I think some of that has to do with, you know, your own measures of success. Will this lead me to that life? Some of it has to do with feelings, not it's not all feeling focused, right? Because nothing feels good all the time. Yeah. Um, but some of that, but if, But I will say this, if you are in a work environment where you are feeling bad more than you are feeling good, that should be a powerful indicator, right? It's not about never feeling bad. Um, we all do things we don't want to do, or we don't find fun or pleasurable. But if every day you are feeling emotions um, that are negative, if you're feeling, um, you know, just, just not in a good place more than you are feeling in a good place, you should stop and interrogate that. And look, looking at your story, I talk a lot about story and seeing, and this is one of the exercises I went through, what is the through line for all of the things and experiences that I've had that, that I enjoy and kind of meet at that crossroads of impact and, and talent? The jobs may look all different, but was there one thing? that I was seeking in all of them or one expression of my talents that, that was a through line in all of them. And if so, maybe that can point you in in the next direction. But, but yeah, I, I went, I asked myself that
0: a little bit, but I was pretty clear that politics was not my calling. (laughs) And so you quit your job, you're off to discover what your calling is. What is that process looking and feeling like for you in those moments? Were you exhilarated once once you said, I'm out of here, I'm giving you my two weeks? Or were you terrified and uncertain? It was the most
1: emotionally unstable period of my life. <laughs> and I, I also tell people that to say, that's okay. Uh-huh. That is normal because there are feelings of exhilaration. Absolutely. Those tend to change when the bills come. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're Look. you're little exhilarated until you <laughs> figure out, okay, I got it. But I still got to work. You know, I'm right. not in this situation where, you know, I can just afford to just... Float around. I have to work. There are, you know, and this is when I always say it helps to also have people who understand you. I had just gotten married at that time, and so my husband was very, very emotionally in tune and supportive, and just a, a big believer of me um, doing and being my best, um, and understood in a way that you know I didn't tell my mother initially that I quit my job for a little while. Oh wow! She, yeah, she comes from a different generation, and she also is an incredibly supportive mother, but just. I knew she would probably have asked me some questions that mm-hmm. I wasn't ready to answer yet. Um, and be worried so, for you. Too, and be very worried. Exactly. Exactly. Cause she, you know, wants the best for me and, and quitting a job doesn't always look like the best for you. Right. Right. Um, So, so yeah, so there were moments, there were high moments and there were low moments. And, and for me, faith was one of the ways that I was able to kind of keep some stability, some emotional stability and and insanity and, and, and having a a mission even in that process was my mission is to figure out, um, you know, where I belong, what, what I want to do. And then I also read a, a great book called design your life, which talks about how design thinking can and should be applied to your own life in your career planning and that kind of opens up the idea of experimentation i talked about that a little bit earlier but we're also not taught that we are generally raised because previous generations this is how it works for them to look for you know one thing what is that one job or what is that one career and then that'll be it i'll finally finally find the thing Mm -hmm. Uh, and so we put so much pressure on every job experience on every interaction on every idea um, and then if it doesn't work out the way we want, uh, you know, we feel devastated. Our identity is tied to those specific things rather than saying I'm on a long journey of life and every experience is going to lead me to my
0: next best one. Uh, so let's, let's try this on for size and see how it feels. And that's the thing with also going back to having a certain level of success in something and then mm-hmm. having these other experiences that we're experimenting at that we're gonna constantly potentially compare every experience. Well, I achieved this amount of success here. Why am I not achieving this amount of success here? And so letting a perceived level of success be yet again, another indicator of what's best or what's not, or what's a good fit or what's not. And how in your experimentation process, did you evaluate, what were successes or what were good good experiences versus, I guess, not good? Or do you believe in even identifying either as good or bad? I'm not one of
1: those people. I I know, you know, a lot of people say there is no failure. There is no, there is. And that's okay. Uh, You know, Uh sometimes you you will fail at things. Um, But this goes back to my point about uh, identifying there is a difference between who you are and what you do. And when you can really be very clear about that difference and say, you know, okay, what I do is, you know, there are activities, there are projects, there are experiences that is all outward. But that actually is not connected to who I am. Who I am, there's an anchor in knowing that, that regardless of whether this thing failed or succeeded, I am still, you know, a person of integrity. I am still gifted in this way. I am still driven by X, Y, or Z. I am still talented. I am still, whatever. I mean, these at this point, start to sound like affirmations, but they're true. And they're really important to remember when you are going through this kind of seeking process. Um, because then the failures won't, shatter you um and they won't really shake your entire foundation uh mm-hmm. but yeah it, it is hard when you've had some modicum of success moving on to something else especially for you know an overachiever i don't really do the astrology thing but i what here's what i do know is that i am a virgo through and through um, thank and, you <laughs> okay when is your birthday August twenty fourth. Okay, I'm September thirteenth, and okay. um, the day after know, Mother. Really?
0: Yes, I'm surrounded by Virgos. <laughs> we are, we are a special bunch. I tell you that. <laughs> yes, and um, an overachiever and perfectionist oh, are the two words that I would most closely associate with Virgo. Yes,
1: and then you know what the third that I would
0: put under that?
1: Analytical. analytical. Yes, that leads to often, at least for me, being critical and self-critical. Yes. You know, so even when we say we're perfectionists, our view of what perfection is, is just so, (laughs) you know, unrealistic sometimes. But yeah, so all of that, you know, went into play. Here's one kind of concrete tip I will give for folks who are saying, okay, this sounds nice, even if I quit my job you know what what do you mean by experiment what does that look like and for me it looks like i'm i ended up moving to los angeles that i actually didn't even initially want to my husband was like great you're finished with politics now can we move and i was like hi right. so we, we moved we moved to la and having a great network really helped cuz i was pretty quickly offered after I'd been consulting for a few months, I was offered a great job that I took because of its flexibility and my ability to continue to travel and speak and do a bunch of other things. And that led to something else. So we can get into the specifics later. But the tip that I want to share is that what helped me not seem like I didn't know what I was doing and kind of, cause I think that's the other fear too, is like, we want to still project some sense of confidence to the world, even if on hey. the inside we're trying to figure it out. Uh What really helped me, and this is the skill I teach over and over again, is your own personal storytelling. How do you tell your story? I have been in rooms with people who are at the top of their game. They are killing it in their career at the time. And I've been the one in the room who may not be, I don't know what my title is right now. I don't know what I'm doing. And yet no one would have ever known because of the confidence and the way in which I craft my story. Um, You need to practice. How do you tell how do you talk about, how do you, what is the arc that you create about your journey? Because you can have the same set of experiences and you could in one hand say, yeah, I'm a mess. I left this career and then I went to this and then I went to this. And I don't know what I'm doing. You could also, you know, kind of find what that through line is and say, you know what, and this is what I, I've worked in media, politics, and tech. But here's what I do. What I really do, no matter what sector I'm in and whatever space I'm in, is create spaces that do X, Y, and Z. Right? That's a very different story than I just career hop. Right. Yeah. Um, But it takes practice. It takes practice. It takes really sitting down and thinking, how do I want to confidently articulate my journey and my story? That is the number one skill. That has helped me in any and every period of transition, maintain, you know, my integrity,
0: maintain my confidence and relationships in the world. And how did you sit down and craft that story? How were you able to get to the root of who is Erica, despite what my title may or may not be? And and was it? Mm-hmm. The- in and of itself that or did you feel that you were aware of who you were prior to any career? That's a good question. I mean,
1: I think I think we know we know who we are, but we have no idea how to articulate that in the world. And, and And we go through life looking for external signs to help validate what we might feel. So to some extent, I've always known who I was. But when you're younger and even in your early 20s, your late 20s, you wrestle with that or I wrestled with that a lot because you want to well is, is who I am good enough is who I am How do I make that fit? How do I make money from who I am? Uh, is who I am what other people are expecting me to be so I think part of just maturity and growth is getting comfortable <laughs> with who you are and you know and then also Leaving space for some of that to change. I don't want to present this idea of, of who you are as being a static thing You do grow and you do change over time but I believe that there are some kernels of, of your core identity, some an essence of you that does remain and that we I think it was as Michelangelo that talked about how he created um, his art, uh, his sculptures it wasn't necessarily that he had a very clear vision in mind. It was that he had uh, uh, a, a block of of ceramic or, or cement or whatever the material was and he sco- he just chipped away until it revealed itself mm-hmm. and i think that's kind of what life is like is that even if you don't have a very clear picture of where you're going or what you want to be um, the work of life is to just keep chipping away until that becomes clear and not to get discouraged if you don't see it right away mm-hmm. uh, so that was that's also been a part of a part of my journey
0: today with what work that you're doing and speaking engagements and all of the efforts that you're making to bring awareness to the impact that our identities and our careers can have on our total life design. What would you say is the biggest hindrance in coming to that? realization, I guess, that, or that it has been for you or for other people that you see or work with?
1: Um, the biggest hindrance, and this is going to sound funny, as I said, on a podcast, talking about my story, trying to help others, but the biggest <laughs> hindrance sometimes, sometimes can be doing too much listening um, or, or comparing your story to other people to try to figure out what to do. I think we we don't really know how to process other people's stories. I think they're very helpful. Obviously, I I share mine all the time. I also host a podcast. I think this this is really valuable and helpful so people can see themselves in other stories. But but we also need to make sure to not compare ourselves too much or assume that our journey is going to be just like someone else's. So for me, what took a long time to uh, figure out was that It's okay if what I do uh, Mm -hmm. or or how I talk about what I do is different, isn't like anyone else's. In fact, that's a benefit. (laughs) That is how you find your kind of unique uh, spot in the marketplace. It should be unique. Right. But we don't realize that because we spend, you know, we spend our time on a platform scrolling, looking at other people's lives. Yeah. Yeah trying to look the same and talk the same and have the same journey and have the same milestones. And if this person, you know, won this award last year, by God, I'm, I have to win that one next year. And if this person went on this vacation, I have to go to that destination. Right. And so much of our life now has become about copying. Mm-hmm. And so it, it took me a while to stand up and say, actually, Erica, You know, what you do, and frankly, what you've tried to do in every job you've had, whether you were in politics or media or tech, what you do is create spaces for meaningful conversations. You like to dig into the who we are and how we want to live. You focus specifically on faith and on story and on how to work with meaning. That is it. Mm -hmm. And that may not sound like, you know, I'm I'm friends with Lovey, and I used to look at Lovey and say, well, her career looks like this, and she did this and this, or you know, I have other influencer friends, and then I had to say no. I I am my own person, and my lane will look very different. And frankly, their lane didn't look like that before they did what they did. So just kind of really
0: taming that beast of comparison. Hmm. And that's a great point because recently I had to catch myself, you know, yet again on social media and saying, "Oh, this person is doing this, and that person is doing this," and before I went down a rabbit hole of depression and and self-doubt and uncertainty or all these different things, I said, but you don't even want those things. Like that's not even the life that you (laughs) described for yourself or that you're working towards. So why is that making you feel like you should be doing these things, you know, just because Mm it's something that, being celebrated by other people, because that may be what they envision for their life, you know, whether that be um, professionally or personally. But I think that we can all get so caught up in, you know, what success or what certain milestones mean to other people and feel mm-hmm. this pressure to have to achieve those same things because someone else somewhere on the internet is celebrating that and yeah, yeah. that may be something that you personally feel connected to and yeah. I think that that's just a big struggle with the access to the internet right now <laughs> just constantly seeing what other people are doing and feeling like in some way we should be copying that or some version of that even if that's mm-hmm. not what what we personally feel called to do.
1: Yeah. So during this, this two-month period at the end of the year, you know, is kind of when I'm a little bit less on social and I'm head down in planning for 2020, I'm launching a new project in 2020. And so it's, it's not a lot of kind of pretty glamorous moments to show off on social. This is a season when I'm kind of like digging in um, and doing what Cal Newport calls like deep work. Mm-hmm. And I was halfway through through this, this month and I felt, I started to feel that old feeling of shame coming back because I said, oh, I'm not, I'm not posting enough content. You know, I'm not showing everywhere that I'm speaking. I'm not, you know, looking like whatever I feel like I need to look like on social. And I had to remember like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> you're working. Right. You don't show it on social, but we, we live in a culture that says oh, if other people can't see it. It's not happening. Well, that's not true. <laughs> Your life is not created to display. You can display what you want and that's fine. And there are benefits to, you know, social and I'm, you know, I'm not anti-social media, but that's not the purpose of your life to display and have other people see what you're doing. Um, so I think, you know, in, in my book, I go through this exercise of looking at your goals because it's still wonderful to be ambitious. I still have very concrete goals. I'm still a very driven and ambitious person. But to look at them and ask why for each one. And that's a, just a very simple way of understanding, okay, is this something that I really, really want? Or am I doing this? Um, I talk in the chapter about, about, you know, chasing your dreams, this idea, this obsession that I used to have with Oprah. I mean, who doesn't really, but right. <laughs> we all, but I, I asked myself when I was going through that period of transition a couple of years ago, um, okay, why are you, so what is it about Oprah's life that you are chasing? Is it, why, what is it? Mm -hmm. And underneath a lot of layers beyond the, oh, she represents black women so well, all the things, the standard lines we say, underneath all of that, I realized, wow, I just, you know, I kind of just wanted Oprah to choose me and validate me and, and then I could kind of have the keys to the kingdom that she's created. Like it was this really weird way of thinking about this woman that we'd all idolized that actually had less to do with me and my journey and my purpose and more to do with trying to become someone else. Um, And so when you start digging underneath your goals, you might get to some ugly answers that'll help you establish, is that that the right goal for me? Mm -hmm. Uh, So, Again, being the queen of questions, I always recommend just interrogate, 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 interrogate.
0: To get to where you are today and having these conversations that can sometimes be... Uncomfortable for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. How Mm -hmm. do you get people comfortable with it, with having that conversation about what may not feel good and what may be an an ugly truth about yourself? Yeah,
1: share your own first. Vulnerability breeds vulnerability. Um, You know, the things that I talk about. people in my field or who have done the kind of work that I've done are not really supposed to admit them because we're supposed to be projecting this image of having it all together all the time. And so if you are projecting that, people around you are going to feel like they need to project that back. So I always lead with vulnerability because I don't believe that the things that I'm sharing make me any less worthy, make me any less you know gifted talented driven whatever it is they're just the realities of what it means to live in this world and so i share my story first i share my experiences first even if they aren't pretty because i know that someone else i think i said this too at the at the at blog car i said i don't know who this is for in the room but i yeah. know i know that i know that someone in this room is going through this and if if only that one person is impacted by this, then my job is done. And so that's how I I help people have hard conversations. I'm willing to put myself out there and have them first.
0: And if someone right now is listening and they're in a job that they don't feel connected to or have transitioned from a job and are in that place of discovering what it is that they want to do, do you have some suggestions that have worked for you on how to Stay connected in who you are and separating that from the career that may have been a failure or the experiment that may not have led you to where you felt you wanted to be. Yeah,
1: I'll give two tips. I'll give a a kind of a, a practical, you know, career tip. And then I'll give kind of the emotional, spiritual tip to how to how to stick through it all. So The practical career tip is when you are. Whether you are currently still in the job that you don't like or you are, have already left it and you're trying to figure it out, talk to as many people as you can. You know, we tend to um, hide behind, again, trying to pretend as if we know what we're doing all the time. Mm-hmm. And that sometimes prevents us from every, here's the thing I'll say, every opportunity that, I, that has come to me has actually come to me. I didn't seek many of them out. I mm-hmm. had written the book, was taking time to figure out, okay, what's next after the book? Um, and I was having conversations with people just saying, okay, so I might, you know, I a book was about story. This is kind of the area of work that I'm really passionate about. And I got a call from someone who worked at Snapchat um, who I'd known before and said, you know, I don't, I know you've never worked in tech, but you create really important conversations. And would you be interested in creating a program here? That happened not because I had a fancy bio on my website that was my highlight reel of my work in politics. That happened because I was open about sharing the new direction I wanted to move in and because I was open about sharing what I thought my purpose was like, even if it wasn't what my job currently was. So the tip is, even while you're figuring it out, talk about it. Talk about what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what you're moving towards, um, because that helps bring it to you. And then the kind of emotional, spiritual tip while you're in all of that, um, is I feel like I said, for me, it was prayer, but whatever your spiritual practice is, is to have something that anchors you in the bigger picture. We get very caught up in, I don't know, navel gazing, I guess is the best way to put it, you know, me and what I'm dealing with and what I'm going through and how difficult it is, how confused I am, all of that. And that's important and it's real, but pick your head up sometimes, right? And just remember that, that it's not life or death, usually. Usually it isn't life or death. Um, you'll make it another day and and you will figure it out. You absolutely will. And so ground yourself in something that helps remind you of that on a regular basis.
0: Before I let you go, I have my last five questions. Okay. your favorite act of self-care?
1: My favorite act of self-care. I love massages and um, you know what? I'll take that back because I don't I, we're gonna do massages every now and then. Skincare is my obsession. I worked as a licensed esthetician in college. And so I've never given up the skincare passion. I will go to Sephora and spend way more money than I should on expensive (laughs) skincare products and give myself facials multiple times a week. (laughs) So that's my my favorite. (laughs) What is something you wish you were better at? Decorating. I wish I could design a really, really cute home that looked good on Instagram. (laughs) But
0: does it feel cozy for you, the
1: important? It does, it does. But I I do wish I had a little, my mother can pull together a room with anything. You give her one hour and she can make it look beautiful. So I wish I was better at that.
0: So it must be in the bloodline somewhere. She can do it. I know, I know, I'm trying. (laughs) What is your definition of success? My definition of success is Using my gifts
1: and skills to support the life that I want to create. Now, what does that look like for me? I love freedom is a value that is very high up on my list, freedom and self-determination. So the ability to decide what my day and my life looks like at any given moment is very important to me. Freedom to you know, move around and to travel, that's really important to me, and the freedom to spend as much time with family as possible. Those are the top three
0: things. What's a quote or piece of advice that you live by? My Angelou
1: said um, once before she went on stage to center herself, she would always say, um, God, let me be a rainbow in someone else's cloud. And so I always think, even though I put a lot of pressure on myself to perform, to you know, go out in the world and do these big things that lead to accolades and whatever it is, that really, if I've made someone else feel good. If I've encouraged someone,
0: then I've been successful for that day. What do you want to be remembered for? Oh, that's a deep question. Gosh.
1: Um, <laughs> I think I, I really do honestly want to be remembered as someone who helped. I want to be remembered as someone who helped bring people closer to God, whatever that looks like for them. And I think in my work, that means, and in my, in my day-to-day life, it means just kind of helping to knock down all the barriers that keep us Separate from, you know, our spiritual selves and um, just always telling the truth about that.
0: Well, is there anything that I didn't ask that you want to make sure to mention or talk about? that you I think, think
1: you covered it. I'll give, a, I'll give a quick plug for the book. I mentioned a couple of times, but I don't know if I said the title. It's You Deserve the Truth, Change the Stories that Shaped Your World and Build a World-Changing Life. You can get it at barnes and Noble, on amazon and the uh, the hardcover came out in may but the paperback dropped in january so i've been um, on tour for for a good chunk of this year and i'm going to be doing some really exciting online workshops in january around the stuff we talked about today so go check that out
0: and how can people find you and get in touch with you online or if they want to book you to speak somewhere yes yes my website is ericawilliams.com and I'm on
1: all social platforms as Miss E-Will, M-I-S-S-E-Will. I don't post all the time, but my DMs are lit. People are constantly <laughs> talking to me in my DMs. So if you want to talk to me, reach out. Please do feel free to hit me up via email, send me a tweet or, or on Insta. I'll be there.
0: Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Lonnie Swain Show podcast. Please visit my website, LonnieSwain.com, where you can sign up for my monthly newsletter, check out companion blog posts, show notes, and lots of other cool stuff. This podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Buzzsprout, CastBox, Anchor, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and my website. I love and appreciate all of your feedback. So don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with at least three people who you think would enjoy it too or benefit from the information. Until next time, go where you are celebrated and appreciated, not just tolerated. Talk to you soon.